Welcome to Healing Wisdom, a Thursday morning talk show featuring guests sharing their stories and knowledge. We discuss the healing aspects of the arts, metaphysics, social justice, and adventure through all types of terrain. So join me, Pandora Peoples, here on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. We're streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. Welcome Elizabeth Schwartz and Yael Strom. Their new Klezmer album, The Wolf and the Lamb, is out. It celebrates the melodies of the old Kolosov in Czech Republic, and it highlights the influences in Klezmer from minority groups across Eastern and Central Europe. Schwartz is a writer, and one of her books is Sweet Fragrance of Life and Other Horror Stories. And they have a documentary narrated by Leonard Nimoy. They lead musical tours, and we'll get to all of that. Welcome. Thank you so much, Elizabeth Schwartz and Yael Strom, for being with us today, talking about Jewish history and so much more. Thank you for inviting me. to be here. So your album was uh, recorded in a beautiful synagogue with so much history and a town with so much history. And there's a lot to say about this album. Um, Can you start by just telling us about the location that you chose? Um, I was uh, teaching a um, university course for San Diego State University in the summer of uh, 20, uh, let me think, 18. in Prague. And then after the course, uh, the three week course had finished, I decided to stay you know, like another week to see some friends, but also to concertize. And um, I joined uh, two wonderful musicians, both of which are on the album, uh, uh, Petr Dvorsky, the wonderful contrabassist, and Alexander Sasha Yasinski, the, the great uh, accordionist. Um, when we played in this synagogue in Holoshov, now a museum, I was just struck uh, by the um, interior architecture. The exterior is nothing uh, to uh, to really remember. It's rather plain, but it's the interior, which was generally um, how these uh, Renaissance-era synagogues were made because you didn't want to show off. In fact, the church said, if you're going to build the synagogue, it, has the, it cannot be taller than the highest steeple in our town, and you cannot make the outside too... Um, you know, architecturally beautiful, it has to be more plain. So the uh, so the Jews would put the ornamentation, the beauty inside, and sure enough, it was. But the real beauty was the auditory. It was like, wow, the acoustics were just so amazing to me um, to such an extent that after the concert, I thought to myself, wow, if I could do a live recording concert here for my next album, that would really be great. So that began the thinking in my head. And sure enough, when I approached Ark Noxos with the idea, they explained to them the history and everything. They they loved the idea. So, okay, why not? This is something different and let's go for it. So that was, that was it just by me having done that one concert and then falling in love with the interior beauty of this synagogue. Uh-huh. 
As a singer, can you talk about that experience, Elizabeth? Well, you know, it's interesting because we've been brought to Jewish communities all over, I like to say every continent now, except for Antarctica. And in more traditional communities where there is still a Jewish congregation, even if they're not Orthodox, they have a problem with a woman singing sometimes. So we'll be in a beautiful town in France and they'll say, we have to move the concert to the social hall because you can't sing in the sanctuary. And, um, you know, that's not an uncommon experience, I think, for women singers of Jewish music. Of course, the Holoshoff Synagogue now, which has been so magnificently restored, there's no Jewish community there any longer. It's really a pilgrimage site, a museum. So they don't have any issues uh, with that kind of thing. And the acoustics in this space, as Yale said, were extraordinary. Uh, the, the sound is so rich and live and echoing. And uh, it was really, it was a tremendously rich personal experience, I think, for all of us. But it was also technically challenging because, you know, we had to allow a little bit for this delay and for the sound to be bouncing all over the place. But I think we managed to deal with that pretty well. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about the history of the place before we get into the theme of the album and well, you know, Holoshov, uh, like many of these, uh, and so I'd say in German, Middle Europa, the Central European towns, was like any others in some ways. Uh, here it was in um, the province of Moravia, and Jewish life goes about it. So you had, it was just Orthodox. That's it. There was, you know, there wasn't a, a branch of a, a Hasidism, which, of course, hadn't even uh, come to fruition until a couple hundred years later. So yeah, Orthodox Judaism. And, and, the, and the Jews are basically townspeople, uh, small merchants, uh, handcrafts, and uh, scholars, etc. And life goes on. So there's nothing in particular. But when it's really this rabbi um, known as the Shach, uh, Rabbi Shabbatai, and trying to work, how come on, thank you. When he writes, he writes, writes a major text. And what happens is when other rabbis see this, this text, this religious text, but it's also not that it's just about religion. It's the depth of, of, of interpretation of Jewish law, Talmud particularly, and, and that other scholars start to look up to him to say, oh, we have to refer to this text. And then just the commoner, the commoner Jew comes to him and says, you know, Rabbi, I have a question about this. I have a question about that. And he gives his opinion. And so, you know, something grows. And so it starts to grow that not only is he a learned uh, sort of erudite scholar, but other rabbis outside the town and other people, even in not just in uh, Holoshev or Moravia, but outside uh, uh, of those countries start to come to visit to maybe once a year or pilgrimage to say, you know, Rabbi, I have, I've been thinking about this you know, I have a question and he would see you. So then it builds this reputation. And so, so, you know, so what, what comes first, the chicken or the egg or the egg or the chicken. So, um, and when he passes away, 
Um, and he has this book that he had published um, that was so well liked and respected on such a high scholarly level, a Judaic scholarly level. Then the town starts, There's so there's a little bit of myth. Mythology starting to grow about the town, you know, the rabbi synagogue, and you have to go to the synagogue even though he's passed away, and you have to pray there, you have to come to his... Uh, his gravesite and uh, plea for help for the, your yourself, your loved ones, anyone sick, and he will uh, supplicate. You know the supplications to him and and from him to God's ears. So, if you believe that's fine, even if you don't, but you know, so it's that aura, and it grows and it grows and it grows. And of course, as you said. Um, the town, sadly, the Jewish life ends, uh, the Holocaust, uh, some probably I would, if I had to guess off that 90% of the people perished of Holoshov. Those few who uh, survive re return, but to return to what? So they go, if they're going to stay in the Czechoslovakia, then Czechoslovakia in 1945, they're going to go to Brno or Ostrava or Prague. You know, they're going to go like Koshitz, or they're going to go to Bratislava, they're going to go to the big cities. Why stay in a small little town, literally a small town? And then those, and some of those just said, now we're going to go to uh, Palestine eventually, which became Israel. And so there's that aura still. Now, what maintains the aura? That what maintains it, yeah, we can say all this in the history and read the books, but it's really the people that still come to the pilgrimage. If no one came, I'm going to be very honest, if no Jews, came anymore except oh let's go it's a museum I'm, I'm in Brno I'm in Prague let's take a day trip I hear about this place it the aura I will have to admit would not be the same but let's what so what creates the aura what the people are still doing today and I imagine we'll continue on for decades if not centuries to come that he is revered Shabbatai ben Cohen, and his writings are respected we study them and there will be those Orthodox Jews that still come. And so people, even myself and Elizabeth, not Orthodox, but very strong connection to our secular Judaism. I went to see the, the um, gravestone. Why not? It's a, this was a living person and an honorable person. So that's what creates the aura today. Can you talk about the influences in this album and what inspired you to explore this idea of the Gentile influences and exchanges of culture as with the Roma in the Carpathian Mountains? Right, right. Well, I've always been interested in that, uh, the Roma connection to um, Carpathian Mountains and Bessarabia, that's Eastern, uh, that's Moldova today and, um, and parts of Romania, Moldavia. 
many of them were musicians like Jews, and it became sort of this um, um, stereotype. But then, it, but then it's like there's usually some truth to some stereotype. Sometimes the stereotype was here: the best musicians in the town village, if you can get them, are the Jews and the Roma. Well, there were great Jewish musicians, great Roman musicians as well. Some that weren't so great, like anybody. But yes, they did live up to the stereotype. They're very fine musicians. And so they're traveling the highways and byways and they meet each other. They learn Romani. The Jews speak Romani, their language. The, the Roma speak uh, Yiddish, their language. And they play and they exchange melodies. So I had already been exploring that. But I thought, well, you know, the Jewish musician, any musician worth his weight in gold, has to have good ears. And it's not only going to just play Jewish music, he's going to be interested in all kinds of music. So as he traveled or people came through those towns, oh, what are the Vlachs? That's the, this is this ethnic group that's that lives in Southern Moravia in, in this region of Polishov. Uh, and then I took it far wide. I, I made it, you know, the Livonians, this Baltic uh, group of people that basically are extinct in a sense. Um, uh, related to people probably coming from Central Asia, that, you know, that are related to Finns, uh, Estonians, etc., etc. And so I was just here, uh, curious. So Jews are saying, "Well, listen, it's a good tune. There's not, there's nothing. No one says I can't play this Gentile tune if it's a good melody. But how do I make it more Jewish, or how do I make it something that speaks to me now? And that's what I was interested in. So I didn't want to just look for only the tried and true Jewish tunes. Um, I wanted to explore outside, and that's what you, people will see. Um, and they'll say, because they'll say, well, why this tune? Well, if they read the liner notes, they'll realize. And because good musicians, and now we're talking about Jewish musicians, klezmer musicians, they're interested in all musics that they hear uh, because it's going to touch them. And also, from an economic standpoint of view, if I want to make a, a good living and even better living, I should know the folk music of other peoples if I, vis if I visit their town or village or if they're coming through and they say, hey, I want to throw a party. Hey, do you happen to know these tunes? Oh, I've never heard that. I can't play it. No, <laughs> that'd be pretty dumb because I wouldn't get the gig. So, I mean, I'm sort of using the 21st century parlance, but believe me, that same thinking in the 17, 18, 1900s, early 20th century was the same. Do you have any different process when you're singing in Yiddish or singing in, in different languages versus English? Well, first of all, English is my first language. So, you know, it's just always easier to sing in your first mother tongue. I guess if I have a process, it's I, I approach the material very respectfully. I don't I'm not uh, someone who believes in the philosophy of oversouling regardless of whatever language it is, you know, there's a story in each song and you're there to tell it, whether you're doing it on the violin or on the accordion or with your voice. And I think it's very important to kind of um, observe the idioms that are specific to a song. So I might sing a song from Romania differently from a song from Spain or Poland. The musicians who take it bring their own frame of reference to it. You're listening to WOMR. This is Healing Wisdom. I'm Pandora Peoples, and my guests today are Klezmer musicians, Yale Strom and Elizabeth Schwartz. I would love for you to talk about your most recent a song, Free. Free uh, is a beautiful song written by the Oscar-winning uh, composer Diane Warren. 
and uh, her project is to have it recorded in many different languages and then put it out as a benefit for the people of Ukraine. And um, before I came into the studio, it had been recorded in Russian and Ukrainian, which I was happy to see, in English by Diane, uh, Dionne Warwick. So, you know, she's, she's got the English covered. I, uh, no one needs to help her with that. Um, but they asked me to record it in Yiddish. That was a great experience. It was nice to go to such a, a fancy recording studio. Wonderful people really beautiful song and accompanying vocals by the Ebenezer Baptist Choir. So uh, Yale was in the other room watching me and he said, you know, when the choir came in, it looked like you were standing up on your toes. And I was like, I was. So um, yeah, it was a nice, nice thing to be asked to do. And I don't know when that's going to be released, but um, I hope it will be soon. So can you talk about your tours? You've been to Morocco, you've been to Spain, Portugal, 
the company I yell at, uh, A-Y-E-L-E-T, I yell com would be the, the face of the uh, website. They've been around for 40 plus years doing Jewish oriented heritage tour, tours to different places in the world, including, of course, Israel. Um, but when they met us, they thought about this idea of um, if you're the scholar at Yale, Elizabeth, um, where would you like to go? And we had some ideas, but what will make it different is um, you'll give some uh, some lectures. So the tours have the ground person who knows the place better than I don't live there. You know, I, I can read and read, but people live there, soak it up just, you know, from being there. Um, so I know a lot about the places, but you have your ground uh, tour person. But what we add is I'll also give some context to the local Jewish music, if there is any, and there always is some. Uh, we play some of that music, but then we bring the local musicians. So they, so for example, um, in Morocco, and sadly, but things will, we're, we've been in touch, so things will get better. But we played with musicians, both Berber and Ganawa. You know, they have different styles of music. You know, you can't just say, oh, there's just one style of Moroccan music. So these two particular styles, and here, the, the people that came on the tour got to see him face to face, talk to them, ask some questions. They played and we played. So that's what, so we bring these tours. So we're going to do this uh, in October, in a month from now, uh, in Croatia. We have a concert in Zagreb and Rijeka and Split, and then we'll explore the island. So it's a combination of the Jewish, but the non-Jewish, you know, what is the local culture about? Some of it's ancient, you know? And then on uh, some of it's just touristic culture. People like just to have a good time. So these uh, these are like about 10, 10, 11 day tours. That's all. And so we add that. So if people want to know more, we'll be leading some tours next year. We're, I'll get one. We're going to be leading one to Uzbekistan. And I've always wanted to go to Central Asia. And Uzbekistan has this interesting Jewish history from uh, Central Asia, probably at least at least the fourth century. And also music, you know, there's always a music history. If there's a people there, they have music because they have their voice. And um, and the music ranges from Persian Jewish, Central Asian, even to Ashkenaz, where because there are East European Jews that went to Central Asia, stayed there, liked it. Um, of course, those who also went there during the Holocaust and were saved and so forth. So we're looking forward to leading. I believe that's going to be in March so they can check it out. So anyhow, but we, you know, what we do is we bring the history, but also music. And I think music is a great way of learning about another culture, right? You can do it through many. You can do it through art history. You can do it through food. People love to eat. Why not do that? But also music. And um, I've never met anyone who says, I don't like music. That'd be almost like saying, well, you're a zombie. You know, that'd be a story for Elizabeth, right? And 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 people say, well, I don't, what do you mean by that? You know, they would, they, it's. The number one, I will say the art form, people get this right now. Everyone is a musical instrument. And I'm not talking about your voice. How is that? Right now, if you're watching me and you're live watching this or like this, you feel a pulse and you're breathing. If not, you're going to suffocate really quick. You're going to pass out. And rhythm is the most essential thing to, to any music. And what keeps us going as humans? Rhythm, our heart, our lungs. You know, as Yale mentioned, we have been in touch with our friends in Morocco because that's one of the great privileges of traveling, especially as an artist, is you leave friends 
behind, hopefully, to whom you return. So um, hoping, hoping to be back there in February with Ayelet. And a year from this November, we will be leading a Sephardic music and cultural tour uh, throughout Spain. And we have led that tour before, actually circling back down, back to our wonderful Czech musician friends. We were in Prague giving a concert with Petra and Sasha and uh, one of the heads of the company was there and heard the concert and heard me singing in Ladino and said, you guys should do a Sephardic cultural tour. And we said, sure, we'll do it. What I found out um, last September after we had been on this tour is that my father's family, the Schwartzes of Romania had in fact been the Sephardis uh, from Spain. And I have a cousin who did the whole genealogy from the expulsion from Spain in the 15th century to when the family went to Turkey and then on to Romania, which was part of the Ottoman Empire. And um, so, you know, it's a life should be about discovering the world and your place in it. And it's a it's a real great way to live. Very cool. And the Ladino language came with pe uh, Jewish people leaving, forced to leave Spain and who went to Morocco. And then you're saying then they moved from there? Yes. It's so a, yeah, it's, it's a language. It's a language that Jews created. Here's the real thing. Minorities, when you don't, you're living in a place that's not your country, so to speak. And how, and how do you know that? Because <laughs> the person who's in charge reminds you of that. Say, hey, you know, don't worry, you're welcome, we'll kick you out. And so Jews know that until there was the state of Israel in 1948. So Jews living in tight quarters, real quick, ghetto, so forth. So you have to make a, and, and they were not allowed to own land generally. So you're not farmers. So you're small merchants, you're craftsmen, and you're, work, you're dealing with the Gentile community. So you have to learn the language. So it's Spanish. But what, but among yourselves, you're speaking Hebrew too, for religious purpose, whatever. And eventually they merge. So you create this language that's you can speak. It's that inside language, but and and it also allows you to communicate with the, so to speak, the 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 hierarchy of society. So Jews did that with Yiddish. I mean, Yiddish has Hebrew in it, has Slavic in it, it has primarily Germanic words in it. But it wasn't like. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rivka, Miriam, these cats from the Bible, that they're speaking Yiddish. No. So people say, why did the Jews? Well, you're living in a certain area. You're told, hey, you you know, mind your business or we might kick you out. But you also have to survive. You, you have to learn a language. If the Jews only spoke Hebrew all the time or Aramaic. Wow. Yeah. Think Aramaic. about how life would be. It, it's so difficult. So you do that. And all cultures do that, by the way. So, but particularly Jews, because we were constantly on them on the move. So they're these interesting other Jewish languages. There was a Jewish language called Tat that was like a, that was related to Farsi that's not even spoken, but that grew up because Jews were living in a ghetto in central Persia and the Caucasus and the regions of Uzbekistan. So Ladino was that, but so first is Yiddish, Fiddler on the Roof made famous. And the one not quite as famous, though, is Ladino, the Sephardic language, and then these small little other ones. So I always love languages. It's like music. Language is music. Ladino is uh, also called Judeo-Espanol, 
and it is uh, really ancient. It's it was start it was created before the Moors came to Spain. So I always like to point out contemporary Spanish has a thousand vocabulary words that were actually Arabic. Uh, Ladino was from before that time. So uh, that was the lingua franca of the Jews of the Iberian Peninsula, Spain, Portugal. And then, of course, they when they were expelled uh, in the 1400s, they took it with them to uh, whatever other host homes they found. Right. We've been speaking with musicians Elizabeth Schwartz and Yale Strom. You can go to yalestrom.com for tour information they have upcoming concerts in san diego new york city dartmouth massachusetts and a lot more also a longer version of this show will be podcast at healingwisdomradioshow.org You've been listening to Healing Wisdom at Outermost Radio. All of our shows are podcasts at WOMR.org. Also check out HealingWisdomRadioShow.com and contact me at Pandora at WOMR.org. Theme music is provided by Mazin. You can find her website at mazinmusic.com. That's M A E S Y N 